know, you take up woodworking or, you know, or potting, or maybe you take up something like acting in, in some night classes or whatever the hell it is, any, any, anything that's creative whatsoever, and you're just doing it for its own sake. Well, there's, there's a, I believe there's a, a kind of evolution and, um, and learning about yourself that can only come from doing that as well. You know, like it exposes us to a different side of our nature, you know, because when, when we're moving towards something, when we're moving towards a goal, um, you know, it, it calls certain parts of us to the, to, to rise to the surface. Um, but doing something for no reason calls a different side of ourselves to the surface. And both of them are extremely valuable. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Well, here we are once again, Brandon, you and me in this, uh, in this space talking about some stuff. And today we got some, some good stuff to talk about, I think, uh, <laughs> and you think, and we think that, uh, that we all, <laughs> we all need an outlet wasn't my uh, my most graceful intro and segue into the title. You found your way there. I found my way there, and that's normally how most of my life goes. Graceful doesn't necessarily enter into the picture. It's usually a stumbling, uh, stumbling blindly <laughs> until something lands. It's like, we got there, we got there, people. And we did, we got there. Uh, we all need an outlet. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of cool things that we're going to talk about in this one. Uh, Brandon, this one was kind of your, uh, your brainchild. You, you sent me a text a few days ago with, uh, with some stuff on your mind and being like, we should, we should chat about something like this. And, uh, and I thought that was probably a good, a good idea. So I'm going to hand it over to you to, uh, to, to start fleshing this one out a little bit more. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> if I can speak, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, hey, we're doing a podcast. Can you speak properly? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I was sitting there at a cafe in the sun doing some writing, having a coffee. And I was thinking, you know, having an outlet, having something that you do that's like creative or just fun, something you're interested in, something that brings out curiosity, it gives you well, I should say for myself, it gives me a sense of life. It gives me a sense of purpose and it gives me a sense of direction. And something I've come to realize for myself is that when I don't have something that I'm doing, that's simply for the sake of doing it. When I don't have something that's, I'm not doing it to have fun. I'm doing it because it is fun. And there's no like, it's, it's not like a manipulation. I'm not trying to get something out of it. And I know that sounds like the same thing, but it isn't. When something just catches your eye, catches your interest, and you want to go down that road, you want to you play with it, you want to 
work with it. You want to try it out, find out more about it. Um, I think that leads to a lot of really great things. And I think sometimes what, what starts out as an interest or a curiosity eventually becomes a creative outlet because once you get enough kind of um, your claws into it, your teeth into whatever this thing is, you start to get creative with it. You start to get playful with it. And that's ultimately where I think this all heads. And, and the thing that was the real insight for me was that as we do this podcast, you know, I think that there sometimes it's kind of this whole thing about helping artists be better artists, but that's not really what this is all about. I mean, this is about helping people find artistic expression in their life and to look at life from the view of an artist, not because they're trying to be an artist or because they're trying to build something. Cause that, again, that's trying to do something for the sake of doing something, but because we have this stuff in us. And I guess the, the, the roundabout way of saying this is I feel like everybody has that in them and everybody needs an outlet to put that somewhere. And it might not be in what's a, typical creative way, but your interest in something might lead to creativity and that's the outlet, but not because you're trying to get creativity out of it. it it's just you got to have somewhere to put yourself, you know, somewhere to put your energy, your direction, your attention that isn't to try and get something back out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, when you first started, you know, proposing that idea, and I think that we've probably touched on this in the past and in other conversations that we've had, but I don't think we've ever necessarily talked about it directly and, and dove into it as kind of like the full meal of the, uh, of the evening, I, I suppose. Um, yeah, it's always been a side dish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I think this is going to be great to get into this stuff because, um, because yeah, I think that definitely if you come from, uh, you know, uh, the Western world or, or I guess, you know, first world kind of culture, um, there can be, there's the, the culture has, has a thing about it where everything has got to be for some reason. Uh, there's got to be some payoff at the end of it. Um, we have a weird sort of way that we look at people who do things for, for no purpose, you know, for no purpose other than the thing of doing it. It's like, Oh, well, why, why did, are you doing that? Why are you pursuing that? Why are you this? Why, you know, like there's got to be some sort of ulterior motive to, you know, certain engaging in certain kinds of activities and pursuits. Um, and I think that there, that's a very problematic, uh, perspective and, and way to, to go about our lives because there is tremendous value I think in in doing things for for no other reason than than because doing them is the whole point is just in the engagement with it just in the doing of it is the is the reward you know uh something you said before we started was you know like like children you know like they're playing it's like I guess you could say it's like yeah but they're playing because it's fun it's like yeah but it's not they're playing and then they're going to play and then at the end of it they say like all right, now I have fun, you know, yes, like, exactly. like you get the yeah. fun at the end of it, like a, like a little treat or something. It's like, no, it's the doing of it. That is the fun, you know, they're, they're, they're one and the same thing. And we kind of think and talk ourselves 
out of that as we get older, as we start to say, it's like, well, now we've got to, we've got to get really serious about, you know, our lives and what we're doing and become miserable human beings, essentially, <laughs> you know, and, and everything becomes about, you know, for money, or if I'm taking this class, or if I'm learning how to do this thing, it's because I'm trying to uh, build a skill in this way so that I can get ahead in this way, which pretty much leads back to just making more money again. You know, it's, it's, I think money is a very big part of this conversation um, in, in terms of, of what we're, we're exploring. I think so too. I think it's a lot to do with our culture. I mean, our culture is like so based on money and that just the financial world is like integrated into everything in the way that we think and we do life. And I think, you know, there's a lot of pressure, right? There's a lot of pressure from the like exchange and working with money that people feel on a constant basis. And that's why we put so much attention towards it. But I think it's a, it's, there's a big mistake in that, you know, this um, needing it, you know, this becoming needy of money. And we get caught in it almost without us, I think, realizing it. Like, I think what happens is you, you don't realize you're doing it and you might not even realize you've done it because it's kind of like the way you're taught to live your life. Like, you know, you got to have the nice car, you got to have the nice phone, you got to have the nice house, all, all the nice stuff, the nice clothes, the nice whatever. And, you know, people kind of laugh about that keeping up with the Joneses, but it's, it's not that you're trying to keep up with your neighbor specifically, but there's this kind of like, if I don't match people where they're at at my culture, I'm not accepted and I don't get to belong. So people kind of buy into that. And when you buy into that, you become more dependent on the system that holds that up, which is the financial system, you know? Yeah. And like, maybe you don't like your job, but you can't leave because you need the job to make sure you pay your rent, your car or your mortgage or your, you know, your lifestyle. And then, so it becomes, I do the job to get the money to pay for the thing. And everything becomes a part of this whole little system that you're trying to whack-a-mole, right? And then there's no time to whack a mole that's just out of interest or curiosity or fun. Yeah. And something I want to add to this as well, in, in terms of that keeping up with the with the Joneses, you know, attitude and mentality, is that it goes even a step beyond whether you're actually doing it or not. As in, are you actually keeping up with whoever that person is that you're sort of mentally competing with and creating all kinds of anxiety around keeping up with, right? Um, it doesn't even matter if you actually are keeping up with them on that material or financial level. Our culture is as such that you you have to at least look like you're trying to. You know what I mean? Like you have to just keep up an appearance that you're keeping up with the Joneses. Like it's <laughs> whether you actually can make that a reality or not. It's like it's only acceptable. Like it, we won't accept it unless you look like you're trying. Like you have to look like you're trying to get a bigger house, get a better car, like like do all of these things because otherwise you're you kind of look like a a pariah to a certain extent. You know. It, Again, it's it kind of goes back to uh, what we were saying just just earlier, which is that 
people get kind of a confused look when you're doing something for no purpose, you know, for mm-hmm. no for no real reason. Um, and we treat that we treat people in our society uh, who are kind of those those outsiders who don't quite fit with the mold of what everyone else is doing. Um, as though there's something kind of off with them. There's just something kind of wrong with them. Uh, though I think that often that comes with a certain degree of envy. You know, we had, uh, uh, like a little while ago, we had our friend uh, Shane Johnston on on the show. And, and you know, he outfitted a, this, you know, like, moving van and has been, like, driving across in, you know, the country in his van with, uh, you know, with his partner uh, and been having, you know, their challenges, of course, but like having a great time, like doing something that totally breaks the mold, kind of confuses people, um, but is, is I don't know, is something kind of incredible uh, at the same time. Yeah, I, I hear, I hear what you're saying. It's, you know, the, there is a, there's a, I think a certain structure of life that we all get stuck in, you know, and it's easy to get stuck in it. And when you're in it, it's hard to get out because you become tied to it. You become bound to it. And I, I think the, the big problem is, I mean, at the end of the day, there's no time for you because you're, you're, you're in the game and, you know, people talk about like the rat race. Well, the rat race is kind of real, but it's not like anybody goes, yeah, I'm going to do the rat race. So, like, I'm going to, like, I mean, maybe some people do because they're like, I'm going to beat the game and the game's fun and that's why they want to do it. And, and I think there are those exceptions of people that are like, I'm going to play the rat race and fucking kill at the rat race, you know, because I understand the game. Uh, I'll give an example. I went on a date with a girl. This is way back. But she had got her degree and then she got two masters and then she was going to get another educational thing of some sort and i was like why are you doing all this and to her education was a game she's like it's a game it's a system i know how to win at it feels great winning at it and i'm like you and i under the way that we go to school is very different because i like i don't like the game i i went to learn and grades and the game meant very little to me although i did get good grades and that helped me to get to like a top tier university the game was a a necessity I had to play and actually got in the way of learning. And that's how I looked at it. But to her, it was very fulfilling to succeed at this game and she loved doing it. And it maybe gave her some type of benefit. I mean, we we, we didn't date a lot much after that, but um, she was a curious case to me. You know, she was an interesting person that way, but I do, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with her point of view. It's just that, she played it for the sake of playing it. And I'm kind of saying that with the rat race. I mean, you know, there are people out there that play it this way, but I think for the most part, people end up in it without realizing that they're in it. And it's in spite of what they want to do. More like the way education was for me. It's like, and to give you a clear example, I was like, well, I want to learn about this, but I don't want to be graded on it because I'm not like, I just want to learn it. I don't want to have to jump through all these hoops to try and do this thing to get you to like judge it. I want to just learn it. And I found that with the school system, it wasn't so much about the learning as much as it was about getting the result. Getting the result got you the thing, but doing it just to learn it didn't necessarily get you the thing, although it could, but 
you know, and I think we get caught between those two types of things, you know? So I, I think it works. And I think like sometimes people go, well, aren't they the same thing? I'm like, yeah, they are, but they aren't because you could learn a lot and not do well in a course. Um, but yeah. man, I have so many examples. Well, I got to give you one more, Evan. I had a philosophy teacher and he taught an Eastern philosophy class. It was an, an incredible experience, but it was also a very difficult one because he was very much about like detaching you from the grade. But I was like, but I need the grade because <laughs> I need the grade so I can go do this thing, go to film school, go to this university, go to whatever, you know, I need that. So he was like, yeah, but it's about, you're here to learn. You're not here for the grade. And what he did with everyone is we wrote our papers and he didn't grade anyone higher than a C, C plus maybe. And oh man, the amount of people that left, I stayed in it for a little bit longer. I ended up leaving the course because at the end of the day, and I, I hate to say this at the end of the day, I needed the grade more than I needed to learn. And that's what the game is. The game is like that. It's like, you need the thing more than you actually are there for the reason of doing it. Yeah. 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 And, and what's interesting about that is that it compromises your ability to learn. Yes. You know, and this is something that comes up in creative fields all the time. You know, it, it definitely with, within acting and what I'm teaching to actors, it's like, you know, as long as you've got this thing that you're, this other thing that you've got going on in your mind that you're trying to get to while you're doing the thing, you're not really giving your attention to the thing itself, which means that your work is going to suffer, which means that those results are actually getting further and further away from you that you want, right? And it's it's one of those, uh, I think one of the great challenges, you know, the the great challenges that come to, that comes to any artist in any particular field is that um, you've got to somehow put that thing away you know, as much as you can, that, that, that need for a result, that need for a certain kind of an outcome so that you can get on with doing your best work. Yeah. Um, I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, someone who I know is you're a big fan of Daniel Day Lewis. Um, you know, when you look at, uh, you know, you look at his, his, one of his biggest performance, um, I'm an oil man. <laughs> Oh yeah. I'm an oil man. Blood. <laughs> there will be blood is an incredible acting performance, you know, whatever people can have their own opinions about it, but it's truly incredible. And the thing about it that's so incredible is how he stayed in character for so long to prepare for that role and, and what he brought to it and the uniqueness and the, and the fact that his performance and his characterization of that carried that film in an incredible way not to not to take away from all the other amazing elements that were in that film and other actors and performers but for daniel day lewis to get to that point he had to play the game a little bit too and i think that the the newer actor looks at the daniel day lewis and they go well i want to i want to do that and it's like but daniel day lewis didn't start that way um, you know, I watched last night, I watched a film he did earlier in his work, which was like in the name of the father, I think it's called or something like that. Um, and he does a great job. Don't get me wrong. It's fantastic, but he doesn't have the same amount of freedom, um, that he does in there will be blood and that was earned and developed. And in some ways you can say like, he played the game enough 
but not so much that he got lost in it. And Mm -hmm. he's one of the people who I think, you know, he arose out of a system, you know, because the the film industry, the film business is a business and it's an industry and it's machine. And it does want certain things out of you and it expects them. And I think for an actor or even a director or a writer to to come out of the machine and find a unique voice, um, at some point you have to disband it. To, in some form, but, but it doesn't all happen at once. It's a slow process of separating yourself from the thing you're actually a part of. Mm-hmm. I think that's my observation. I mean, I could be wrong, but from, from what I've observed, um, that seems to be the case. You know, it, it, most actors don't start out. Um, there may be some exceptions, but most start as playing and working within the machine with a little bit of creative expression but the ones who, you know, you see win Oscars and do all this great stuff out here, they eventually separate from the machine and they separate themselves from all other performers as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would say not all the time because I, I you know, obviously I, who wins awards is, is always a matter of, yeah. of debate sure. and stuff. But well, that could going, be the machine in itself. Yeah, too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> go, going back to, to like someone like Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, as far as I understand uh, of him, you know, acting was something that he he didn't wasn't necessarily doing it for the reasons of becoming a big star because that was being handed to him. Um, you know, at one point in his career, uh, he was he everyone was clamoring for him. You know, here was this you know, tall, handsome, incredibly talented actor. And he stepped away from all of it. I mean, he went and became a a shoe cobbler for like three or four years or something like that. Learned that craft, didn't didn't do any anything with acting. And then he came back to it. So, uh, which I think is actually, this is a good segue because I think that uh, this brings us kind of back around to where we started from. I think we kind of got on like a weird... It was fun, but we yeah. got into like, we went down like a pathway that is maybe not as directly about the subject matter as, as what we had kind of wanted to get into. Um, so, but Daniel Day-Lewis has brought us back onto track with becoming a shoe <laughs> cobbler. Um, yeah. Because that was something that he, like, it wasn't something he needed to do to to make enough money. He had you know, he had money from his acting. It was something that he pursued as a genuine interest. He wasn't, and he also didn't do it for a role. If anyone knows anything about Daniel Day-Lewis, it's like he'll do, he does all kinds of stuff to like really give himself the the sense and experience of, of what a person's life might be called, you know, method, method acting. But he never, you know, did shoe cobbling because he was playing a shoe cobbler in, in anything. It was just something he had an interest in and wanted to learn the craft of it and really wanted to, to immerse himself in it, which I think is what we're talking about. It's just like, we all need an outlet, something that um, is creative in some way for us uh, that I would also say ignites some sense of excitement or passion, whatever you want to call it. Um, But is something that we have in our lives that is for no other reason, which is where sort of we started this conversation. 
something that we all have where it's not for it's not for money it's not so that we can you know develop some skill that will make us better um, more competitive in our job or you know to move up the ladder in some way there's none of that absolutely none of that can enter the equation but something that is pursued simply for its own sake just for the sake of of our interest for the sake of our passion I think that that I think it's such an important thing for us to do, which I realize in talking about this, we have to be careful because it, then then it makes it sound like you're doing it for a reason. It's like, oh, well, I got to go and make sure I'm doing something for no reason. Yeah, that yeah. way I can. And now we're now it's like a snake eating its tail, um, which is an interesting thing I didn't anticipate running into with this conversation. But <laughs> I think that's that's kind of the catch of it all. Right. It's like. Um, you know, you meditate to be thoughtless, but then the need to be thoughtless is the problem. You know, it's like, you gotta, I think the journey, I think one of the important things that's coming up is the journey, the way it starts doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily the way that it continues. And it isn't necessarily the way that it evolves and ends, you know, or if you want to call it like, if it's going through chapters, there's change. So, maybe it starts off like i'm really curious about that and then you start looking into it and you like it so you get really interested in it and then you, you and then interest moves from passion to passion and then you're passionate about it and you're like really like this is so cool and i just want to know everything about it i want to do everything about it and then passion isn't the end like that's the chapter in the stage of whatever you're doing because you know maybe you start something um for a certain reason but that reason doesn't have to be the thing that sustains it forever, you know? Um, and I think the other thing that's coming up for me, Evan, is like the whole concept of wasting time, I think is such a big part of this. It's like, we don't, how much stuff do we not do because it's a waste of time, you know? And, and to even call something a waste of time means that you have this whole concept of what valued time is, you know? And, and I think the reason why this is, is that, yeah, exactly. Whose value is that? And where did that value come from? Because that's the point of this is to challenge that value because the value that keeps you in the rat race might not be your value. And by doing something that isn't participating in the rat race can help you sometimes see how you're valuing things that aren't really valuable. Um, you know, things that maybe, and, and I, and I think like if you valued something that now you see as silly, right maybe you liked it at one point and now it isn't. I don't think you should look at that as a waste of time either because that at that time made sense to you. And maybe if it doesn't now, you don't need to beat yourself up in the past for having cared about it and been interested in it. You know, yeah. you're it's changing. Evolution. Yeah, exactly. You're changing, evolving being, right? Yeah. And and we need to, I think that's why hobbies and interests and curiosities are so important because they actually create the the kind of the transition point for evolution in yourself, you know, which is going to evolve you to something that you might not even know what it's meant to evolve you to, you know, it's like, I'm not doing it. So I get to my next evolution. I'm doing it. And naturally by doing it, it will lead me somewhere and I'll see, and I'll see it another way and I'll see new things. And through seeing that, um, I might stumble upon something that makes my life so much more than it was before I started. 
And that's why you got to start, you know, you got to put yourself out there without knowing what you'll get, but just doing it because you want to, because you're interested, because it's fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think what's interesting too, is because, you know, another thing that we talk about a lot on this, on this podcast is, you know, your vision, you know, your calling, uh, you know, pursuing something, you know, actually, you know, that there is something that you have in mind somewhere that you want to go. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things that come with that as well, you know, um, but, you know, that's, that's maybe like looking at it as somewhat on the opposite side of the spectrum here. And, but that's like a necessary thing as well, you know, in, in some ways, uh, you know, moving towards fulfilling, uh, a deep need or calling that you have and moving in that direction, even though, uh, we don't know exactly how that will all work out either, but there's still something of vital importance in, in doing that. Um, because it, it's a way of getting us on sort of on, on putting us on a, uh, an important trajectory for ourselves and our evolution as well. Um, because there's a lot of things that, that come, a lot of th things that we learn about ourselves that come from doing that. But what's interesting is that the same thing is true on the flip side, which is what we're talking about is it's like, okay, but let's take away like any idea of calling, moving towards, you know, achieving some sort of a thing you know, and let, let's just say you're doing something for no reason other than itself. You know, you take up woodworking or, you know, or potting, or maybe you take up something like acting in, in some night classes or whatever the hell it is, any, any, anything that's creative whatsoever. And you're just doing it for its own sake. Well, there's, there's a, I believe there's a, a kind of evolution and um, and learning about yourself that can only come from doing that as well. You know, like it exposes us to a different side of our nature, you know, because when when we're moving towards something, when we're moving towards a goal, um, you know, it it calls certain parts of us to the to to rise to the surface. Um, but doing something for no reason calls a different side of ourselves to the surface and both of them are extremely valuable. Hmm. It reminds me of this little Alan Watts thing. <laughs> I know we've been bringing him up a lot, but I just feel like it's such a good time to mention this one. But one of the things that he said was essentially um, the very, I'm butchering this, but you get the idea. It's like the very part of you that wants you to be better is the very reason why you're not. You know, the very thing that wants you to be better is the reason why you're not. And like, that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the thing that I think like self-help, how can you help yourself when the, the self that you are is what's got you in the problem, you know? So it's not that you can't help yourself, but the need to help yourself, the need to be better, the need to be something other than what you are is part of the problem. You know, um, you know, you can go back to this whole concept, even of like the law of attraction, you know, like people talk about this, they throw this around, but like the law of attraction is 
looking at life, I mean, in essence, this is really what it is, in my opinion, but I think people will agree who really know how this works. It's living your life as though it is actually already within your possession, within your reality. It's the living as though you need to acquire it, living as though you need to get it, the living as though you don't have it, that actually keeps you from it. And, um, you know, when you begin to, so I think what happens is it kind of works like this, and I'm not going to break down the entire law of attraction. You know, there's a lot of woo-woo shit around this, but essentially, if you look at it this way, if you walk into the life that you are, that you are living, when you have that, you're going to behave and act in the way that you would as though it was already there. And so by behaving and acting and participating in life as though it were already so, you end up acquiring it because that's how someone who had it would act. When you act as though you don't have it, you're acting in accordance to not having it, which is how someone would act if they didn't have it, which is why they never have it. So in essence, I think that when you follow your curiosity, your passions, your interests, without trying to get them, just because you're interested, it's as all you already have it. You already have the interest. You already have the fun. You're not like you made a great example earlier on. Kids don't play to have fun at the end. They play because fun is happening as they play, which is the law of attraction. If you want to look at it that way, it's actually happening as you do it. If you think you're waiting for the big trophy to come at the end, you will probably never get the trophy because you're behaving as someone who doesn't have the trophy. And because you don't have the trophy, it's always a little bit out of your reach. And you might feel like you're getting closer and closer and closer and closer, but you're never quite there. And that's kind of the, you know, in a roundabout way of saying it, like, that's why we all need an outlet that isn't to try and get something that isn't try to manipulate something to do something because the outlet in itself is it. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> something that's, that's occurring to me, which is, uh, I don't know, I find it kind of amusing, but you know, you hear people who they, they get themselves into, um, into certain things, you know, like they'll, they'll take a, they'll take an acting class or they'll, or they'll, or a singing, you know, singing coaching or whatever, whatever the hell it is. Right. Because it's like, well, you know, it's because my, um, you know, my, my partner or my therapist or something told me that, um, you know, this could probably, this could really help me to, you know, loosen up or to just, and you know, all of that shit might be completely true. Absolutely. You know, help you blow off some steam, help you to relax, help you to whatever. And it's kind of, it's kind of funny that, you know, in sometimes we have to still give ourselves a reason to do something that interests us. You know, it's like that, that protection against the people who are going to like raise an eyebrow. It's like, oh, why are you doing that for? It's like, oh, well, you know, it's because, um, uh, it's, how, it's my blood pressure or, you know, it's <laughs> to, to help me, uh, you know, whatever, get, keep in shape or, or, you know, get better at, at at speaking or whatever the, how, however many reasons and excuses we can offer up for just doing something that is actually just something that we have a genuine interest in, in doing and are curious about. And, you know, maybe, maybe you can hang on to those just to, to avoid having to 
deal with people's skepticism and, and whatever it is. But I think that it's important for for us to be aware of that going on in ourselves, because I think that if that's the way that we're still approaching it, you know, again, even if it is something we're genuinely interested in, but if we become tied to, uh, you know, even just just by that identification of saying, uh, oh, well, you know, I'm doing because it it's 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 good for me because it's it's doing this for me. Um, I think that that's that puts a limitation on us. You know, I think that like. I don't know necessarily how to articulate it exactly, but it's like try try like a couple of like the the alternative on for a second. You know, it's like maybe you um maybe you take up uh maybe you take up painting or something, right? And you take up painting, you really you've always been interested in painting, but uh you, what you're doing is you've made you're telling yourself and you're telling other people saying oh i'm doing it because um you know it just helps me to to calm down and calm my mind and and calm you know whatever it's like and that again that might all be true but consider having that having that carrying around that justification with it and then saying like i'm painting it because i want to Just try, just try the, the 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 quality of the difference of that that thought. Just the the just in 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 that in and of itself. I don't know about for you, Brandon, but for me, it's just like, whoa! Like there's just suddenly it's like wow! Like there's so much freedom. There's so much freedom, and there's so much um, space that in in saying it just because you want to, as opposed to you know, oh well, it does these things for me. Like, it's just, it's this, it, it's this feeling of constriction and, um, what is it? Contraction? No, <laughs> I have no words. Expansion. But expansion. There we go. The, the, <laughs> the difference in the, the, like, to me, one of those things has this feeling of constriction yeah. and the other one has this feeling of expansion to it. And that's where not having to justify your reasons for doing something, um, just, just, expand it, it just takes you into a different space yeah i hear that i hear that because you know it's the reason is constricting you know it's like you got to justify what you're doing and i i don't think it just has to be to another person i think sometimes we have to justify stuff to ourselves like i'm doing it because it's making me better i'll be better like i do this one all the time i'm doing it because it'll improve me you know because i have this whole thing about you know, I'm sure a lot of people can relate about not feeling good enough. You know, am I, I always want to be good enough. You know, am I good enough? And um, a lot of things that have motivated me is I'll do this because it'll make me better. It'll make me good enough, you know? And, um, you know, what if you, like, what if you stopped and you just went from the proposition that you already are good enough and you didn't keep trying to do something to change who you are? If you were already good enough, what might you do? Um, also, the other thing too is it's a, now this is kind of a weird way to say this, but it's kind of a poor man's problem to not do what you're interested in. Because when you have money, you do what you're interested in. 
because it, like maybe making more money fulfills you, but like for most, I, well, I don't want, I don't know if most people, but like a wealthy person, and this isn't just wealth in money, but wealth in mindset. When you have wealth, you're not trying to like clamor to like pay bills and keep up and survive. You have money that you can throw around and play with. Like, um, and, and I've experienced this to some degree in my life, you know, about having money and being able to do what you want. And what ends up happening is because you can do what you want and you have the money and you have the access to it, you just go, well, I want to do this. So you go do it. Um, but that's not just with money. That's like with mindset. When you have the mindset that you have the time and the energy and the capacity and the ability and all the other things we can throw in there, you have wealth in that. You just go do it because it's, it's not about surviving. And I think like a lot of the reason why people don't have an outlet is because they're so busy focused on surviving. They got that poor man mindset, that poor mindset. It's like everything is like, like dire, you know, it's all, it all needs to be for a reason. And if it's not for a reason, then somehow I'm like, you know, and it's this constant, I mean, Hey man, I'm not a big proponent of the law of attraction, but it kind of reminds me of some of that shit. Like, you know, the law of attraction talks about that too, actually, you know, it's kind of funny, but it's like the reason why people who are in poverty continually don't have what they want is because they have a way of keeping themselves in poverty. Um, there are so many like, and I'm going to talk about money, but there are so many ways for us to break out of the, the world that we were born into, the world that we currently exist and think within, but we get tethered to it. We get stuck in it. And I know this because it happens to me just as much as it happens to anyone else. Like you just feel like that's your world and you, and you don't question it. And that's part of the problem. I feel like an outlet makes you question the reality in which you think you live in. And then when you have that outlet, you start to see like a crack in the whole thing. You see some light on the other side and you go, well, wait a minute. What if I actually went out there? What if I looked at that? What if I ventured towards that? And if you do that and you go far enough, eventually whatever world you were in gets so much light shined on it that you start to realize like, Hey, this isn't my whole world. I'm living in a bubble. I'm living in a faux reality of what I think reality is. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's that's my bit. <laughs> well, look, man, I have to Ladies say it. Ladies and gentlemen, because Brandon's bit. <laughs> that's my bit. I mean, look, I, I felt this because um, for the last two years, I've been, I haven't worked for the same job, but I've, I've worked a job and I haven't worked for myself um, entirely for the last two years. And something that I realized recently is that I've become tethered to my job and I'm realizing that I think in relation to the job because it consumes so much of my time, I'm still doing my business. I'm still have, you know, we're doing this, I'm doing my other creative stuff, making films and working on that stuff. But like this job has become a big component in my life. And what's happening is I'm doing a lot of things to service that one thing. And I'm like, well, I, I want to live over here, but I can't live there because I got to, you know, I got to have a job and I have this job, and, you know, and, and it starts to become everything gets dictated by this thing over here. And what I found is like, I've been like, okay, this isn't working. Like something's wrong. So I said, well, let's 
like follow your curiosity, follow your interests, find your outlets. Like that's essentially what I've been doing. And as I've been finding my outlets, I've been realizing that I'm like, wait a minute, I can do more of my outlet over here. So I should base my life around the outlet, not around these other things, because these other things are stopping me. And that just helped me kind of shift the whole picture on it. Right. And it's, I feel like it's a step-by-step process, but I can see how we can get tethered to something and we become like kind of locked into it and it becomes kind of um, everything becomes about that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to just uh, go back a little bit to something that you had said um, just because something I, I, I don't entirely agree with you on. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I know. I know. Here we go. Now I, I don't think it's, it's anything, anything major. Um, but you know, just in terms of, of like, and and I know you were bringing it in as like wealthy mindset, you know, as it can be wealthy as in like, you know, yeah, you actually have material, um, wealth, which of course, yeah, like there's, there's a, it, there is a certain kind of fact of, yeah, like there are more things that are available to you. You know, their money is not a barrier for you to pursue um, a certain interest to take a class to travel to a different part of the world to have a certain kind of you know all of that stuff um, but I, I I think that there's a bit more to it than that which is because I I have seen that in certain you know in a lot of sort of like wealthy cultures and wealthy families there can be such a high degree of judgment that people cannot be you know, free to pursue something because of, you know, oh, well, what will, you know, my family think of me? What will my, you know, community think of me? What will, you know, a lot of that can happen. Um, But the same thing can happen in, um, you know, I guess, poorer communities as well. Again, I'm speaking only materially because you you brought up a good point about like just the mental um, state of wealth. But in, in a community where people don't have as much money, um, people can also be quite judgmental as well if you want to do something that steps a little bit outside because um, for a variety of different reasons, sometimes because, um, you know, you might come from a certain kind of an industry town, you know, like where there's... Uh, kind of a blue collar type of place where doing anything sort of creative artistic is kind of like, well, what, what are you doing there? Or sometimes it can be religious, you know, again, there can be a lot of, um, uh, judgmental people within certain religious circles as well. So, um, I just want to like, to, to, to point out that there's a kind of a complexity that it has a lot to do with kind of the community that you're brought up in as well. Right. Um, because I know people who haven't had a lot of money who seem to just like go and do whatever the hell they want (laughs) to Well, in some ways that's more freedom, you know, absolutely. That's kind of like, you know, the, 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 yeah, I mean, I'm not entirely sure which part you disagreed with yet, but, um, I can say that with wealth fit like material wealth and, um, material things, they can become your anchor they can become the thing that you drag around and you can't be free of. And one of the things that I did 
when I was uh, early on making films was, um, you know, I learned pretty quick that if you didn't have a lot of assets, if you kind of kept yourself at least removed from them, um, you had more freedom because no one could really take anything from you. You know, it's like um, Dov Simmons, you know, who was a film course we did. He's like, what are you what, like? You're going to make this movie. What are they going to do? Sue you for your DVDs? <laughs> like, you know, it's kind of like there's something true about that. You know, when you don't when you're young and you don't have a lot of stuff, um, you know, what ends up happening is you have a certain amount of freedom because you're just not scared to lose what you have because you don't have much. And I think sometimes wealth can be its own trap. You know, it can be a, a thing where you end up just having more money, more status, more things, more whatever. And because you're scared to lose them, you're unwilling to kind of venture out. And reputation as well can be just as much a thing, you know, where it's like, well, I can't do this because, you know, I've built this reputation. How will people look at me? What, what will they see me? And, you know, reputation can be as valuable, if not more valuable than money because reputation and status and position can get you sometimes more than money ever can. So, you know, these things are not just, you know, they're just not material and entirely. Right. And I think that, I, I think we're all playing the game to some degree, but we, we, um, we have to kind of see that and, I'm not saying you can totally just remove yourself from it entirely. Maybe you have a family, maybe you have a house, maybe you have mortgage, things you got to take care of, but you can carve out a little bit of time for your own interests, you know, and that's, that's your own personal wealth, you know, to bring me back though, Evan, what do you, what part of it, and maybe it wasn't a disagreement, but what part of that did you kind of disagree with or what part of it are you trying well, to bring light to? Cause I want to, I want to get on that. Oh yeah, no, maybe it wasn't so much a, a, a disagreement. Uh, you had just said something along the lines of, um, you know, wealthy, wealthy people just, uh, seem just, uh, you're, you were implying that wealthy people could, um, just did, did more stuff that interests them. Um, and, I and that was really what I was saying. Like, well, I, I, that was, that was my sort of not necessarily. Yeah, not necessarily. Okay. Thing. I agree. I, yeah. I hear what you're saying. And I can but, see how that, I could see how that would come off that way. Yeah. yeah. And I could see how that might even be, uh, an opinion that people have who, who feel like they don't have money, which isn't necessarily true. I, I, it's a good challenge. It's a good point you're bringing up. Yeah. I mean, it's maybe, uh, yeah, I, it was maybe something that like, you didn't in, intend to like make something, but I just wanted to clarify um, yeah. something on there where it's like, well, yeah, there's, there's maybe something more cultural that's going on, but I, at some level, yeah, absolutely. It's true. Being, having, um, having a certain amount of material uh, wealth does, does open up certain opportunities. Like there's no, that that's a fact. Like it definitely not... <laughs> does. But then also not having money, and being okay and able to live without a lot of money is opens up freedoms too. You know, there's, yeah, it's different. Um, it's a different kind of freedom, but, yeah. um, you know, I, I but I, I, there's two sides to that coin. I think I, I don't like, I do think that there's a pursuit in our culture to be wealthy because wealthy leads to freedom and these other things. And I think that like you bring up a good point. That's, 
not necessarily the path that we have to choose. Like it doesn't have to be about making a lot of money. Um, you know, I would say that pursuing a career in acting and filmmaking and stuff like that, especially early on, you know, it wasn't, I mean, the whole idea of maybe I'll make money one day and maybe you'll get, you know, those big deals is kind of exciting, but um, just living because it's what I wanted to do was one of the most fulfilling times in my life, you know, and I honestly wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, I've thought sometimes back, I'm like, well, I could have been saving up to do this and do that. And honestly, I've talked to a lot of people who did that and they kind of talk about how it was so cool what I did at the same time, you know, they got the benefits of what they did. I got the benefits of what I did. I mean, you know, it's, I just think that, you know, you, you don't have to be bound. There's no right, wrong way to do this. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's your way. And I think that's kind of the point of the show, right? Is that it's your way, whatever your way is, is it's fine. And you live yeah. with your choices, you know? Yeah. And let's just figure out what that is. Yeah. And also not be tied to have to do everything for a reason, because maybe that stops us from being able to find our way. Yeah. 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 One thing that I wanted to um, bring quickly, maybe it won't be quickly, but uh, into this conversation, um, because in some ways we've been talking about, you know, maybe if you're a, a person who uh, isn't necessarily in a, in a, what you would consider a creative field um, or an artistic field. Um, but I want to just touch on the fact that it's like, if you are somebody who you are in a creative industry uh, or artistic industry, that's your vocation. That's how you make your living. And, you know, you might already know this, but uh, there's an important to having something else as well that a, another creative outlet that is for no reason because um <laughs> there's lots of great reasons to to have that <laughs> you know what i mean like i i mean i've played music for you know i played guitar for you know a, a long time that that's always been something that I've done for no other reason other than just because I enjoy it. I enjoy um, learning how to do new things and new techniques and, and different styles and, and you know, playing around with it. It's just, it's something that I play with and there's no, there's no expectation uh, of, of having to do anything with it. You know, even though I have done some songwriting and recording and things like that, that's all just been stuff because it's just like, oh, that'd be a, that'd be a, that'd be a laugh, man. Like, let's <laughs> sure. Let's do it. That'd be fun. Um, but I'm not trying to, you know, put out an EP to make money or, or, you know, break the charts or anything like that. That Like I have no interest in something like that. Um, and in some ways, uh, I, I would say like, I even have a hesitation to, 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 entertain that to a certain degree just because I'm like, well, I don't want it to become something that isn't fun anymore, you know, which is something that you hear from a lot of people who like, uh, that, that passion and that creative interest become something that they get discovered for. 
and suddenly it starts becoming a business and they're just like, this isn't fun anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I don't want to do this shit. <laughs> Suck yeah. the joy right out of it. I mean, that happens with, that happens with so many things. I mean, I, I like I started, I started my business of like, you know, helping people make films because I would always kind of see people talking about making films and they wouldn't do it, you know? And I, I thought, you know, it, it would be great to just encourage and inspire people to make films and show them that it's possible. Because a, a, another thing that I noticed with people was just like a lot of people wanted to make films, but they just didn't think they could. And so I created like a little 13 week course. And then I had like, you know, my first little group of people, 13 films got made and, you know, and I think they were really good films. I mean, um, they, they were very like some of those films, you know, I think in total, like, I think I helped something like 60, 60 to 80 films get made in the first year. And, you know, some of those films won some big awards and, you know, helped people with their careers a lot. And then, you know, like it started to become a business. And I remember um, it wasn't as much fun, you know, because it was like um, at one point I was teaching the same class, but I was teaching three times a week. I had to say the same things to a group of people. But when I started, when I was talking to them, it was very inspired. But then when it became a class that I was doing three times a week, it became, I got to repeat this lesson to everyone. And um, I I didn't like, I don't want to say hate it, but I didn't like having to repeat a thing. I wanted it to be organic and responsive to that class and what they needed, although it would have the same lesson. And so, um, you know, eventually I kind of had to move away from looking at it as a business and look at why I was doing it. And um, coaching and kind of teaching and mentoring to me is an enjoyable interest. And it's taught me a lot about myself and it's taught me a lot about people. When I do it for those reasons, when I do it because it's I like finding out about that, it's very fulfilling. When I do it because it's like, well, I got to make a buck. I got to, you know, I got to get X amount of films made. It's like, it just becomes this, this slog, you know, and we've talked about that. It's the slog, right? It's like the thing you like to do becomes like work. It becomes like hard. It's not as much fun anymore. Um, like I remember a day I was about to have to go to teach a class that I created and I was bemoaning it. And I'm like, man, why are you bemoaning this? I was like, but I was, I, I just didn't want to have to do that. And it's interesting how when you're trying to do something like for some reason, the thing that you're doing kind of, it robs something from it. You know, it like takes something from it because it's not about the thing anymore. It's about the reason you're doing it. Um, so in my roundabout way, I've kind of come back to, you know, my coaching business has evolved, but it's evolved because I wanted to, to teach and mentor in a way that I liked to do that. I wanted to do that and and doing it in and of itself was fulfilling as opposed to the other way, which was to get something to build a business, to do this stuff. And I found that all of those things happen in spite of you, if you just do it because you want to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the thing though, man. It's, yeah. it's It happens in spite of it. It happens in spite of you. Like you don't have to, I think we work way too hard to try and achieve things when if we just did them fully and with our whole hearts, they, those achievements would kind of naturally come as a byproduct of doing them wholeheartedly. Uh, yeah. And it, 
it makes us more um, flexible and resilient yes. and and innovative as well and creative all of these things like all of these really wonderful things um uh this reminds me of of uh, a lot of the stuff that Simon Sinek he's another guy who's been coming up a lot over the last little while but um you know he talks a lot about this which which is just like you know part of the part of the big issue particularly within corporate culture which is where he primarily focuses on is you know there's this sort of thing of perpetual uh growth all the time you know it's like you've got to beat your your you know your targets from from last year it's this constantly and it leads to just terrible terrible decisions treating people horribly and um but you know in in it's almost it's also a very counterintuitive thing to do because it's like all right well we got to meet we got to beat these goals or we got to beat the competition. We got to, you know, our sales have to be better than theirs are and, and making, making what you're about that. And the problem that comes with that is that you become less resilient. You become less adaptable as, uh, as a company. Um, and I think it, it's the same for us as individuals as well. Um, we're, we're less, we're less equipped to respond to whatever happens in a, in a creative way um, and to come up with creative solutions to new problems, right? When we're focused is, is too much over here. We don't realize that, you know, the building's on fire. And by the time we've come up with our strategies for moving forward, the whole thing's collapsed. Right. Um, So yeah, it's interesting. I maybe got off topic there, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. It's interesting. Um, what are you uh, what are you uh, drinking on there, sir? Well, uh, this was just a random pick today. I <laughs> hold on. So this is um, Collective Arts Brewing. That's Art Brewing. Collective Arts Brewing. I don't know. I I this was like a I went to the store and I just picked one off the shelf and I'm like, this looks cool. Um, for anyone who's on video, it's got kind of a fun little image on there. Um, and it's uh, a DDH IPA. <laughs> a DDH IPA? Unfiltered. <laughs> I don't know what this is. It's an IPA of some sort. Um, 6.1% alcohol. Um, it's pretty tasty. Collective Arts Brewing, Hamilton, yeah. Ontario. That's where they're from. Um, this beer is called Life in the Clouds. Anyway, it, it's it's a good beer. I mean, honestly, like, I don't know. I've been enjoying it. I don't know what else to say. It's, yeah. it's been good. It was like kind of a random pick. I don't think I've had anything from this brewery before, but uh, it's a good first. It's a good first one. So there you go. Nice. I've I've had some. I've had uh, I think one or two beers from Collective Arts, and and they've they've both been really good. They're uh, apparently quite famous in Hamilton. Oh yeah, nice. I was recently yeah I was just talking to a guy at a craft brewery here who just moved here from Hamilton, and he was just like, oh yeah, and and I guess Collective Arts is like they're like a um, 
I don't know if they're a co- like a cooperative or something, but like there's a bunch of different people there and they're all making different kinds of beers. So it's not like collective arts is like a solo project. It's like oh, a bunch okay. of different people. Oh, cool. As I understand it, maybe I'm wrong, but that's, that's how it was explained to me. Uh, for myself, I'm drinking, uh, I think we've had this one before, or one of us has, uh, the Pills Project 9 from uh, Fernie, Fernie Brewing Company. Nice. Clean, crisp, and classic. <laughs> it says on the can. And uh and it is. It is. I've been drinking nice. it. It's good. It's if you uh, didn't if you didn't say that was on the can, I would have thought you just came up with that. Nice delivery. <laughs> yeah, for, for a second I thought it said classy on it. Clean, crisp, and classy. But it's classic. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe advocate that Fernie should change it to a classy between <laughs> crisp and classy. I like it. Stay classy, yeah. San Diego. That's right. <laughs> um, let's wrap this baby up. I, uh, I feel like we got most of our points across. I, I think, you know, hopefully people walk away from this conversation and they, uh, you know, they look at something that they want to do just for the sake of doing it, you know, something that can be an outlet. And I think that, it's necessary. I really do. I think it's, you know, I've, I've found in my life that it's necessary for me, but I think everybody could really benefit from letting themselves have something that is just an interest or a curiosity, or maybe even it's got to the passion point where you just like put some energy and time and, and, and not to get anything. And even, and I think it's especially, you know, you're on course when you think it's a waste of time. I think that's a, Mm -hmm. that's a really good sign that you're on the right path here because there shouldn't be a reason, you know, other than I'm curious about it. I want to, I, I like it, you know, that should be enough, I think in this case and find something you like, find something you're interested in, you know, and explore it. And you know what? It might hit a dead end, you might kind of do it and then you're done with it and then you move on and that's fine. And I think, you know, you might have many things that are like that before you find something that you really want to carry on with your whole life, but it's okay to have like kind of a fad or a a temporary interest, you know, because sometimes those temporary interests lead you to other interests and you need one to get to the other. So start with what's the most present the most available Go down that path, look into it, get involved in it, do it, try it, be a part of it, play in it, you know, and just enjoy doing it. And then let's see what happens. That would be the way that I'd like to leave this for everybody. Mm-hmm. I like all of that. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to piggyback off of that a little bit and just say like, yeah, like, you know, what, what it is that you start doing, like it doesn't have to be something that you consider like a traditional craft. You don't have to be like, okay, well, what do I got to take up? Do I got to take up this or that? Start paying attention to, to the impulses that you have. That's how you know that I come, that, that I come from the acting world. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, but stay like, try and be tuned in to the, to your impulse is there something that you see Does something, you know, in, 
you know, in the midst of, of life, a moment where you have a, a little jolt of excitement that's just like, oh, go and go and check out what's going on over there. Or just, you know, I don't know what it is, but that feeling that you get of of just sort of this little surge of 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 interest, of curiosity, of excitement, and just and and pay attention to see pay attention to all of the thoughts that come up that say that you can't do that or or trying to find some some reason why you have to do that and if you catch all of that just say oh screw all of that screw all that shit and just and just do it see what happens when when you just erase the the whole mind aspect of trying to rationalize it of trying to create some reason for it be unreasonable be completely unreasonable when it comes to your curiosity when it comes to something you're excited about have no reason whatsoever thanks for listening to the show If you got something out of this, if you feel it improved your life or your journey in any way, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode. You can also support us on Patreon, where we have tons of great bonuses. You are the ones that make the show possible and help us to thrive. Thank you for joining us.